0: The Adams Archive.
1: Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Adams Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. On today's agenda is a ton of different topics that are out there from the last week. The first one being Donald Trump was at the UFC event over the weekend, which was probably one of the biggest cards of the year. And he had an interesting interaction with Joe Rogan, which we will attempt to break down. Although I'm not very good at reading lips, I will give it my best. After that, we are going to take a look at an article that's coming from Fox News, which is that the Marine Corps is going without a confirmed leader for the first time in over 164 years. And we'll talk about what that means. Then we're going to look at the disgraced Dr. Larry Nasser, who, if you recall, was the disgusting gymnastics coach of the U.S. Olympic team and sexually assaulted, like, I'm pretty sure it was like hundreds of girls. So he got stabbed, and we will celebrate that. And then moving on, we will talk about the movie The Sound of Freedom so we discussed that i think two two or so episodes ago we we went into the trailer of that now that it has been released there's been all this hype around it and some news companies throwing a bunch of shade which is a, a kind of a weird thing to do to something raising such positive awareness to such a horrific thing but we'll talk about who those news stations were and maybe why they were doing that because it might start to make a little bit more sense Other things in the news is that Miss Netherlands was now Mr. Netherlands (laughs) because it was crowning a trans woman, Ricky Valerie Cole. So we'll look at that potentially if we get to it. And then one of the breaking events that has been going on here is that the Biden Department of Justin, (laughs) Department of Justin, (laughs) I wonder if there's a guy named Justin in the Department of Justice. Biden's Department of Justice indicts a whistleblower who alleged, alleged that the Biden family was involved in bribery schemes. <gasps> Could you imagine that? And then we will go into the video that surfaced about that individual. And last but not least, the longer you're here, the deeper we get. Jerogan posted a Reddit thread from the Reddit Aliens Subreddit, which has the title of From the Late 2000s to the Mid 2010s, I worked as a molecular biologist for a national security contractor in a program to study exobiospheric organisms or EBOs. I will share with you a lot of information on the subject. Feel free to ask questions or ask for clarification. We're talking about aliens, folks. So, this is a very long thread. I don't know if we'll read all of it, but I will get it summarized for you. And maybe, just maybe, depending on how interesting it is, we will. But pretty wild. So all of that and more. So stick around. Again, the longer you stick around, the deeper we go. All right. So let's go ahead. And the first thing I need you to do is go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. Head over to the Substack. We did send out this week's podcast companion from last episode. So head over there, austinadams.substack.com. You get all the links, all the videos, all the articles that we're discussing here, and yeah, you can keep up to date with me and what's going on. So austinadams.substack.com, leave a five-star review, hit the subscribe button, and let's jump into it.
0: The Adams Archive.
1: All right. The very first ep- article on today's episode is going to be that Donald Trump made an appearance at UFC 290 in Las Vegas, and the arena went absolutely wild. And we'll see if we can get some audio on this clip here for you guys, because as soon as he walks out, now, something that I've discussed on this, right, I'm threaded through Instagram's threads instead of tweeted. doesn't sound as good as tweeted, to be honest. But something I threaded was that it's pretty wild that meanwhile, while Joe Biden is fumbling around a beach, not knowing which way is to the water, we have Donald Trump at a UFC event, cage side, getting you know, high fives from almost every single fighter that won their fights, getting Praises from the entire audience going wild when he's out there. It's pretty crazy to see. But what if not the single best PR for any president ever is being ringside at every UFC event? Like, could you imagine people people would say? Ooh, there we go. What people would say if Vladimir Putin was at all the MMA fights? Like, that is a power move, son. So here it is. Let's go ahead and listen to this clip of him walking up. We'll see if it's if it's too loud. We'll we'll cut it. But here we go. This is Donald Trump walking out to the UFC event to Kid Rock. That's amazing. American badass. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. High fiving everybody in the audience. Blue suit, red tie, yellow hair. <laughs> Coming in, and just everybody goes wild. C N Z Z top. All right, there you go. There's his walk up song. If probably one of the most fitting walk up songs in the UFC. And he walks out with Dana White here, as we'll see.
2: As, As you might expect for International Fight Week, a lot of people are in the building, but no one needs more security than the former president of the United States, obviously a really good friend of Dana White. Oh my word, I mean, listen, he's a massive, massive fight fan, and that just shows how big this event is. Donald Trump has loved the fights for a long time. He's often at Madison Square Garden, but the International Fire Week, he has to show up, show his support. He has done from since day one. It's good to see him here, though. Oh, it's no surprise that this man is here because this is the only thing that stayed open in
1: all of sports during some of the darkest times. Glad he's here. All right, let's go. <laughs> Listen to how excited they all are. And imagine if that was Joe Biden just, you know, randomly walking through the crowd not knowing which seat was his. Meanwhile, he's getting a shout out from literally everybody. And then he had a peculiar interaction with Joe Rogan. So, Donald Trump At the UFC event over the weekend, locks eyes with Joe Rogan, shakes his hand in what must have been one of the most intense handshakes ever between these guys who just shook hands for about 25 seconds. (laughs) And... Exchange some words. So I'm going to give you my best idea of what's being said here. Now, we don't know exactly what was said. Now, hopefully there's somebody who can read some lips that can actually figure it out. But here's what I got for you. Donald Trump walks up to him and goes to shake his hand. Now, when the video comes in, as it starts to play here... All right. So Donald Trump goes up. It's mid handshake. Donald Trump's, you know, going, you're the man. It seems like, you know, you're doing great stuff, you know, and it seems like he's saying something about how they should do something together. Like I should get on your podcast. We should have a conversation. Somebody that I saw said that they believe that he said that we should have a conversation. Just not just doesn't even have to be on the podcast just together. And so could we have a Joe Rogan, Donald Trump podcast? It seems more likely now than ever after Donald Trump was at the UFC event, shaking hands with Joe Rogan and having this interaction. Pretty cool. Hopefully that happens because that would be the world's most watched podcast of all time. Could you imagine Joe, Joe Biden getting on Joe Rogan's podcast? like that would be the most boring ass conversation you could ever imagine. <laughs> Literally everybody who watches Joe Rogan's podcast would probably boycott the episode because it would be so irritating, annoying and and, and like just sad to watch. If John, if Donald Trump went on Joe Rogan, it would be the single most watched episode in history of any podcast ever. For now and the future, very likely. So, anyways, that was pretty cool. Thought that was awesome. What a power move by Donald Trump and his PR team. And, uh, you know, hopefully we see a Donald Trump Joe Rogan podcast as they just had this respectful interaction where neither seemed to want to let go of the handshake first. <laughs> it was <laughs> pretty cool to see. All right, moving on. Now, the next article that we're going to talk about here, and we'll touch on this briefly, it says the Marine Corps is without confirmed leadership for the first time in 164 years. And this comes from Fox News, where it says that the U.S. Marine Corps does not have a confirmed leader for the first time in 164 years. Following Marine Corps' commandant, General David Berger's relinquish of command ceremony held Monday and Berger's, Berger's private retirement ceremony. At the Relinquish of Command Ceremony at the Marine Corps' barracks in Washington, D.C., General Eric Smith, the assistant commandant of the Marine Corps, took over as acting commandant. President Biden had nominated Smith to lead the service in May, and Smith is expected to serve as the acting commandant, but also stay in his role as assistant commandant. How does that work? Without a second in command due to the hold? The last time the Marines were without a confirmed leader was 1859 following the death of Commandant Archibald Henderson. Senator Tuberville, a Republican from Alabama, is blocking more than 250 fast-tracked military promotions in the Senate over the Pentagon's post-Dobbs abortion policy, established earlier this year. The Pentagon's new policy pays for the travel and time off of service members that they must take to receive abortions. If the state where they are stationed does not allow the procedure, what? How about no how about take one of your 30 days of freaking paid time off, buddy, or don't, and don't kill your baby. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley have both called Tuberville's hold a national security concern. Without calling Tuberville, yo, you mean it'll kill Americans? Just like all the babies? Without calling Tuberville out directly, Austin said his hold is becoming a readiness issue and called on the Senate to confirm these military leaders. Smooth and timely tra- timely transitions of confirmed leadership are central to the defense of the United States and the full strength of the powerful f- fighting force and hi- the most powerful fighting force in history. Berger agreed saying in his remarks we need the Senate to do their job so we can have a sitting commandant that's appointed and confirmed now, I'm not for abortion in any way, shape, or form. I absolutely do not think that there's any reason at all the military should pay for you to go on leave to go get an abortion or for your wife to go get an abortion or for the stripper that you met you know, right outside of base to go get an abortion. I don't think that we should pay for that. I think that you should pay for that. And you definitely shouldn't get extra leave for it. But I also don't think that that should hold up Somebody getting put into the highest position of command in the Marine Corps. That seems a little bit crazy that those two things are intertwined. Uh, Interesting. But definitely don't agree with that. And definitely don't agree with them paying for that. But it seems like there should be some sort of, you know, other way of making that statement. But who am I? Especially when we're in one of the most contentious time periods in history. Tuberville placed a hold on approving these nominations by unanimous consent this past February. If Secretary Austin wants to change the law, she should go through Congress, Tuberville told Fox News Digital. Tuberville had a 10-minute phone call with Austin back in March, according to the senator's office. Yeah, kind of crazy. See what people had to say. His finest, finally, Congress is taking back some of its authority. We have legal proceedings in place that should be followed and not worked around or set aside for convenience or fast tracking. If a law is wrong or needs to be changed, Congress is the branch of government that has the power to do it. Interesting. That's the first comment and most liked comment. Somebody else said. Mm, nah, Nothing good there. All right. Let's see says this administration is not following the law. The senator is using a legal means to hold them accountable. Follow the law, Biden. Hmm. Interesting. Doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, moving on. In probably the most positive news of this week, because there's all this negative news going around, what I would say is the, the, the most positive news of this week that I've heard of personally is that Dr. Larry Nasser was stabbed several times. And I think that's the most positive news of the week because he's a gross, sexually abusive pedophile who deserves to get stabbed because he was the one who sexually abused hundreds, if I'm recalling correctly, the amount, hundreds of USA Gymnastics gymnasts, over 300 female gymnasts at the club that he was sexually assaulting, up to 300 of them. At Michigan State University and at his home in Holt, Michigan. Yeah, something worse should have happened to him other than just stabbing him. Unfortunately, he's alive. Larry Nasser, it says, this is coming from the post millennial, says Larry Nasser has reportedly suffered multiple stab wounds after an altercation broke out in a federal prison in Florida. Two people familiar with the incident said Nasser had been stabbed in the back and the chest, but that he was in stable condition. Unfortunately, According to the Associated Press, in 2018, Nasser was sentenced up to 175 years in federal prison after being found guilty of sexually abusing up to 300 female gymnasts at John Geddert's Twin Stars USA Gymnastics Club, Michigan State University, and at his home in Holt, Michigan. The attack apparently happened Sunday at the United States Penitentiary Coleman in Florida. Nasser had relocated to Florida after being assaulted in Tucson, Arizona, where he had previously been being held. Nasser admitted to sexually assaulting athletes when he was employed at Michigan State University and USA Gymnastics which trains Olympians. Additionally, Nasser who pleaded guilty to poss- he also pleaded guilty to possessing child pornography. When victims were giving impact statements in 2018, several claimed that he told th- that they had told adults around them what kind of abuse they were experiencing, including coaches and athletic trainers, but the complaints went unreported. The report noted that over 100 women, including Olympic gold medalist Simone Biles, had collectively attempted to get $1 billion from the government after it was revealed that the FBI had failed to do anything about Nasser when the allegations were initially brought to light in 2015. It was not until a year later, in 2016, that the Michigan State University police arrested him. Michigan State was accused of missing opportunities to stop Nasser, which resulted in the university agreeing to pay $500 million to more than 300 women and girls who were assaulted by the sports doctor. Additionally, USA Gymnastics and the Olympic U.S. Paraplegic Committee, or Paralympic Committee, sorry, agreed to, that, to a three hundred eighty million dollar settlement. There are more than one hundred and fifty victims who spoke or submitted statements during the seven day hearing more than four years ago. There were even a farther. And there was even a fa- a father. To, good Lord, what's wrong with my eyes? There was even a father. Upon having the opportunity to speak, attempted to attack Nasser in the courtroom. Now, if you remember this, this guy walked up to the stand and goes, "Judge, may, may you just give me five minutes in the locker room with this guy?" The judge goes, "No. <laughs> How about one minute?" He says, and the judge says, "No." And then he runs after this guy with no plan of attack whatsoever and gets tackled by a bunch of police. Here we go.
2: I would ask you to, as part of this sentencing, to grant me five minutes in a locked room with this demon. Would you do that? I, I not yes or no? No, sir. Would you give me one minute? <laughs>
0: you know that I can't do that,
2: that's not how it is. Well, I'm gonna have to get really? something out. Stay out. Stay out, out. Stay yeah. right out. Good lord I want that
1: One of these cops should sure have took the opportunity To accidentally shoot Nasser. Had to be quicker dad Gotta be quicker Gotta have a oh, plan of attack that, too thanks,
2: Relax.
1: Take it easy, You know good show Max. Good show of You know emotion And I'm sure the Two two days that he probably spent in there before before being let go, you know every father ever probably wishes that they would you know have that opportunity. Who ran into something like that? So I just just can't imagine what that man is going through. And the you know when you're the dad and your your responsibility is to protect your child, you know the lengths that you would go to and the things that you would do are probably unbelievable. So you know a good showing of of emotion there at least maybe not the right attempt, <laughs> maybe not the right approach, maybe sit and wait for them to take him outside after, you know, or between sessions or, or, you know, at least be a little bit quicker to the draw there. Cause he was pretty slow, not, not getting past the the police there. <laughs> and there you have it. So that, that, is the first round of what is happening to Nassar. Nasser. And hopefully there's a second round. I guess he got beat up in the other prison. So maybe third round, we'll, will finish it because what a disgusting man this person is. And, and it, we're finding this more consistently where it is doctors in sports medicine who are taking advantage of underage athletes. There was a physician in Michigan who was responsible for a similar situation, to a bunch of underage hockey players that I actually, you know, uh, am familiar with the, the teams and, and stuff that this guy was involved with and uh, he, he was indicted on I believe almost it was at least 80 80 or so it was 18 or 80 one, one of the two <laughs> vast difference but doesn't make much of a difference that because you're just as big of a piece of shit and deserve to get, you know, what this guy had coming to him. All right, moving on. There's your positive news for the week folks. <laughs> and in other news, CNN. Now if you recall The Sound of Freedom, right? The Sound of Freedom being the the movie that was done by Tim Ballard who owns Operation Underground Railroad, and Operation Underground Railroad is a nonprofit organization which goes and saves children from underground sex trafficking. There's been over 2000 children that have been saved by Operation Underground Freedom, or Underground Railroad, and The Sound of Freedom is a retelling of the story of how Tim Ballard got into saving these children. Now, I I personally have not been able to get to the theater yet. I have three children, so sometimes it's difficult to go sit in a theater and watch something that isn't animated, (laughs) so... But my plan is to go watch this for sure. One hundred percent, you should go see it. If you know somebody, I take them with you. Especially if they, you know, are, are skeptical about the entire, you know, trafficking of children thing. Or this really will shed light on. It. I've I've spoke to several people who have gone and seen it. They said that it's one of the most impactful, if not the most impactful, movies that I've ever seen. It's supposedly pretty dark, but how is it not? You know it's, it's a dark world and this is one of the darkest parts of it and so to see that somebody anybody is shedding light on this and so there, there was some some conversations now I had several people reach out to me after the last podcast because I posted about it I've posted about the sound of freedom and there was some skepticism around Tim Ballard, which might be an, an interesting episode in and of itself. But there was some skepticism around Tim Ballard where there was allegations that Tim Ballard had, you know, in in his operations, been accused of inappropriate behavior, which these guys are going undercover to do these things. And generally, in in order to get in the club to save these children, probably have to say some things that you wouldn't normally say unless you're in character trying to get into one of these places. So that was one of the allegations is he like to touch some girl's waist or butt or something inappropriately when he was trying to convince people that he was a part of, you know, he was a part of their crowd and trying to get in there so he can actually save these people. Some of the other allegations were that he was taking some of them, a lot of the money that he was getting in from Operation Underground Railroad and it wasn't going to the right things. And that he was making a lot of money and that he was using it as a, you know, to help promote the Latter-day Saints, which I guess he's a part of. And so there's a, there's some little, there's some murkiness to this. However, I would say in light of anything and everything that I've seen on this, and I've dove deep, I've talked to people that I know that were a part of some of these, you know, organizations and, and have some little bit of no, no, no within the community. And I tend to agree with what they said with, which was essentially that if, if, Anything that Tim Ballard did that made him seem somewhat dishonorable cannot be overshadowed by the outcome of his honorable actions, right? So even if, let's say, he's making a lot of money off of this, even if he's had to put himself in precarious situations and act out of character to get into these places to save these children, I would take that all day in order for these children to be saved right? And 2000 is nothing, but it's something, right? Compared to the 2 million that he claims are are out there right now that need to be saved. It's a drop in the bucket, but it's a drop in that bucket. So that's my thoughts on that. So do your own digging, do your own research. There was a lot of people that came out against Tim Ballard, and I just didn't see anything credible enough to overshadow the credibility of the positive things that he was doing. So there's my thoughts on that. Now, what is dishonorable is that CNN and I believe it was. Let's see. There was there was three different news networks that came out and spoke out against the Sound of Freedom, calling it a QAnon conspiracy, telling people they had worms in their brain if they liked this movie or if they thought this was real or you know you know. And then CNN came out and had a clip that said Hollywood. Let's see, Hollywood QAnon promoters promoters, Hollywood QAnon promoters movie is hit at box office. That is not a full sentence, guys. So CNN had Mike Rothschild, nonetheless, a part of the Rothschild family on here to tell us that, oh, these people are just conspiracy theorists. Don't worry about what my family is doing in the background here of the these, you know, shadow organizations that are very well proven to be true. So here's a clip of CNN.
0: And you seem pretty familiar with him because he doesn't really hide his association with this real wild plot that that involves, you know, drinking the blood of children and things like that.
3: No, he doesn't hide it at all. And you have a lot of people who are in this world of QAnon who say, oh, they don't know what that is. They've never heard of it. They're just asking questions. With somebody like Jim Caviezel, he is openly embracing it. He's openly using its catchphrases and its concepts. He's speaking at QAnon conventions. And this film is being marketed to either specific QAnon believers or to people who believe all of the same tenets as QAnon, but claim they don't know what it is. And The Sound of Freedom
0: does focus on a real issue of sex trafficking, but that theme, it's sort of like that kernel of truth that feeds the QAnon conspiracy theory. Tell us how
3: those two things work together. Sure. And the most durable and the most believable conspiracy theories are not entirely false. There's something in them that is true and the rest of it is false. But the believers point to the one true thing and they say, oh, you don't believe that this particular thing is true. In terms of child trafficking, we know trafficking is real. We know it has real victims. No one is denying that. But these films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. They're created out of fear. And with something like Sound of Freedom, it specifically is looking at on Concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel and by extension only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. So there's a very participatory element. You're not just going to see a movie. You're just killing two hours on a hot day. You are helping bring down these these pedophile rings and save children. Now it's not true, but it's a very comforting and it's a very warm feeling to have.
1: So I want you to listen to how they are programming this. Because if you want an example of textbook abusive gaslighting, here it is. CNN coming out and saying that anybody who believes that high-level people are are sex-trafficking children or involved in adrenochrome processing or anything to do with adrenochrome, But really, let's just focus on the trafficking portion. To believe that anybody is involved at a high level, these billionaires who who have an appetite for sex trafficking in children, to believe that you must be a QAnon conspiracy theorist. How stupid are they? Well, isn't this the same CNN who was reporting on Jeffrey Epstein less than three years ago? You know, the billionaire involved in high-level trafficking that visited the White House 17 times along with plenty of people, including Bill Gates, including almost an entire roster of celebrities from Hollywood that flew to his island that he had children trafficked to. The same CNN who reported on that. Oh, you want to know what else? The same CNN who had not won but two CNN producers who were involved in and brought to justice over pedophilia. Jeff Zucker being one of them, who convinced a mother to fly her child out and abuse her with him, fly her child to him. And just reading the text messages that that man sent to this mother makes your skin crawl. Meanwhile, CNN wants to gaslight you and tell you that you're stupid, tell you you're a conspiracy theorist and, and muddy the waters with this QAnon term that they haven't brought up now in a year or two until it's convenient. Right? Just like he said here, oh, that there's, oh, what a, oh, what a silly idea that there's celebrities out there and billionaires who with sex traffic children. How stupid are these people?
3: bogus statistics they're created out of fear and with something like sound of freedom it specifically is looking at on concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high level elites and only people like tim ballard and only people like that
1: are by these high level elites and only people like the ticket buyer can save them buddy this is real we all agree that this is real Now, the last person that you could have come on to CNN to convince me that child human trafficking isn't real is a Rothschild. But that's what CNN brought on air to try to convince you that anybody who liked this movie or that liked the idea that was shedding light on one of the grossest, the most disgusting, most egregious things in human history that's being done today right now is fake. Fake isn't real. Oh, it's a conspiracy. Oh, maybe he has a kernel of truth in there, but there's not high level elites who are trafficking children. You mean like the guy who died in jail, who is a billionaire, who is connected with probably half of this guy's family and buddies in all of Hollywood and at the White House 17 times who Bill Clinton flew to his house on an island where he trafficked children to? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one. That's the conspiracy that everybody's stupid for believing in. Thank you so much, Mike Rothschild. Now, on another positive note, this is absolutely shedding light on child human trafficking. It is one of the the top box office movies that there's been this year. And people are are choking up about this. People want to do something about it. People are becoming aware of this. And the sound of freedom has now triggered people to have more awareness on the disgusting people that are out there that are predators towards children. And this video I'm about to show you is a perfect example of it. There was a mom who was at the mall and it says, stop what you're doing and make this pedo famous. This brave girl just done Just got done watching The Sound of Freedom, and the next day, while at the mall, noticed a predator taking pictures of two young girls bent over at the mall. She then confronts the pedophile while video recording him and makes him delete the photos on his phone. These people are everywhere. He could have just been a pedo, or he could have just been scoping out his next sex trafficking victim. And he's absolutely right. Here's the video.
0: Yesterday, I posted that I went to go see the movie Sound of Freedom. And it was an amazing movie. I recommend everybody go watch that. It really, really opens your eyes about what really goes on behind the scenes and something that is so prevalent here in the U.S. But definitely recommend you go see it. But today something happened that I really just did not expect at all, and it relates to this movie. Today I went to the mall to go pick up something to eat, me and my mom. We went over there really quick to do some shopping and we went to auntie ann's and my mom already got out of the line she already paid and i stayed back to grab some napkins and some straws and things like that and as i grabbed it and i was walking there was a man that was behind the line and he Was taking out his phone to take a picture and I noticed he had his flash on and it was pointed towards this bench where these two young girls were at and I decided so I noticed that his flash was on so I stood right in front of the camera and I was like you know what I don't know if he's ignoring me or seeing me so I went I decided to go behind him and he looked towards my mom he's like oh no it's my daughter it's my daughter So he sticks out his phone again and starts taking a picture of this young girl. The girl was with her friend and she was laying her head down on her friend's lap and her behind was sticking out so her body was, her face was towards the seat or the bench. And so her whole behind was out and she was in a short black.
1: She was in a short black dress. Let's see if we can get to the part we were just at
0: this bench where these two young girls were at and i just was, was on so i stood right in front of the camera and i was like you know what i don't know if he's ignoring me or seeing me so i went i decided to go behind him and he looked towards my mom he's like oh no it's my daughter it's my daughter so he sticks out his phone again and starts taking a picture of this young girl. The girl was with her friend and she was laying her head down on her friend's lap and her behind was sticking out so her body was, her face was towards the seat or the bench and so her whole behind was out and she was in a short black skirt and this girl I would say she's in between the ages of probably like 13, 15. She looked super young and he kept saying like oh that's my That's my daughter. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to say anything yet because I don't know what the situation is. So
1: so what ends up happening is she confronts this man at the mall, makes the man pull out his phone.
0: I go and I go up to these young girls. The guy...
1: After I confirming that this man was not their father, in fact, and then goes to the man, confronts him about what he was doing, which she then videotapes, and then makes the man delete the photos. Now, this woman is a badass. If we had more people like this woman out there, there would be far less predators out there because they are predatory on children for a reason. And they are scared of getting confronted with people who are as as big as them, as old as them, as mature as them, they're cowards, they're pieces of trash, and they know it. And if enough people have their eyes out, not only for their children, but for other people's children, like this woman did, then this would happen less often, because people know that they would be confronted by people. Let's continue.
0: Anyway, I go up to the young girl, and I'm like, hey, is that guy right there? Really, I try to like make it not as big of a deal like I was saying I didn't want to make a makeup big deal of it because you know this girl might be scared I don't know what it is but I'm like hey is that guy your dad and she's like no why
1: and so she confronts this man and now as we go to that portion of the video I'll talk you through it a little bit but it's taking a second to buffer here so give it one moment but good on this girl she can't be over 30 she looks like she's probably like 26, 27. And for her to confront this man in the way that she did is amazing. And like I said, if we have more people doing this type of thing, less people would be predators against children because they know that the microscope is on them. And that's what this movie does. The Sound of Freedom brings awareness to this. It brings awareness to the fact that there are real predators out there. Brings awareness to the trafficking is real, and you should absolutely be keeping that in mind around your own children, around others people's children. I've seen videos of this woman who was like working a stand. It looked like in like Mexico or Brazil, and uh, this young child was being targeted by this guy on a, a scooter. And she goes into this little shop and the woman is very nice and starts talking to the girl and realizes what's about to happen as she sees this guy kind of walking around and prevents the child from being trafficked. 100% this man was there to steal this child and cannot imagine the horrific things that it would have happened. But if we just need more eyes on this guys, the more eyes we have on it, the less, the less things like this will happen right? There will be immediate friction. There will be immediate repercussions to these people acting in this egregious manner. So again, good on this lady, good on her, this woman, good on her for confronting this person. We need more people like her. And the video still will not buffer. So I don't know what's going on with Twitter. But in the spirit of that, let's move on. The Netherlands crowned Miss Netherlands to someone who is not a miss, but a mister. (laughs) Mrs. Netherlands crowns trans woman, Ricky Valerie Cole. In other words, a man to be Miss Netherlands in what is absolutely the most disgusting virtue signal ever. Like, literally a... And she is... There's other people around this man who are far better looking. Far better looking. It goes on and says, Coley of Dutch and indigenous Malaycan descent is from the city of Breda between Rotterdam and Antwerp. Thank you for that very specific outline. She said she wants to be a voice and a male... Or a, a male... A, a role model for young women and queer people. As someone who didn't feel supported after coming out as transgender at a young age, she said, she wants to leave those stories of suffering in the past. Coley won't be the first trans woman to compete for the Miss Universe crown. Angela Ponce became the pageant's first trans contestant when she represented Spain in 2018. The 71-year-old competition first began allowing transgender contestants in 2012. Well, weren't you ahead of the curve? More trans women have been competing in the preliminary pageants in recent years. In 2021, Miss Nevada Cataluna Enriquez became the first trans contestant at a Miss USA pageant. Trans women and activist Daniela Oroyo Gonzalez will compete for this year's Miss Universe Puerto Rico title next month. Thai business mogul, Annie Jacra Judupa Lupa Datipa, no idea how to say that name. A trans activist who is also trans vendor bought the Miss Universe organization last year. She has said that she's he has said that she's committed to advancing the organization as an inclusive platform and wants to transform the brand for the next generation of non women for Miss Universe, you idiot. I call it a women's empowerment competition, but really it's just de-legitimizing femininity and what women are in general by allowing men with penises to beat the women at their own event, which is just unbelievable. Like, how, how far do we take this, right? Like, of course a man's going to whoop some woman's ass in the swimming competition if they both train. That's just how that works. But now we've gotten into this contorted, weird secondary universe where men think that they can actually compete with women when it comes to feminine beauty, like, I'm sorry, not going to happen. You are a man. You will always be a man, regardless of how much makeup you put on, regardless of how much chicken cutlets you put in your bra, regardless of how much YouTube contouring classes that you watch, you will always be a man until you invert your penis and then have it shut on you. Like that's one of the most horrible things. And and, and, okay, every time we touch on the trans stuff, I feel the need to talk about this because I don't want to be a hateful person. I'm not trying to be hateful. But I think as hateful is this egregious act of acting like men taking over women's spaces is good for women. There's a reason there's the WNBA. There is a reason that there is Miss Universe, right? There is Mister Olympia. You want to go be in a male beauty pageant? Start running a hundred fucking grams of trend and get huge, <laughs> like like the rest of the the guys out there competing for male beauty pageants. Like, this is not the way. And I, I believe that the people that are trans, that believe that they are the other opposite sex, are mentally ill and and should be treated as such. And I don't think treated as such is like, oh, you're a bad person. No, I think treated as such as if you are dealing with something on the inside that I can't even fathom. Now that's a portion of it, right? A portion of them are mentally ill. Now a portion of them are seeking attention and that's the Dylan Mulvaney's of the world, right? But there are some, I'm sure, very good, very kind, very nice, beautifully, beautiful hearts that are trans, But when you try to overtake women's spaces, when you try to treat, make me use your pronouns as if I have to act out your mental illness for you to make you feel okay in the world, I'm just not gonna do it. And I think that anybody who who is in that world Should seek help. And I hope they get the help that they need because I'm sorry, but you're never going to be a woman or you're never going to be a woman who turns into a man or a man that turns into a woman. It's just not going to happen. And that's the way the universe dealt you your cards. And I'm sorry you don't like them. But a lot of poor people who grew up poor wish they could have grown up as the child of Donald Trump, but it's not going to happen either, no matter how much you pretend it. Right. So it's like you should address the thing that is causing you the mental anguish. Don't mask it with fake boobs and lip injections and a dress, like eventually that's going to lead to heartache. And eventually it's going to lead to you getting all of these surgeries that we don't know the implications of that are eventually going to harm you long-term physically, like getting on hormone replacement therapy, you know, getting estrogen injections when you should be getting testosterone replacement therapy. It's like, we don't know the implications of this. And I'm sorry that you're going through that, but that, that is not, my burden to bear your mental illness through my speech. And that's that's what we saw too more recently Michigan in in probably the craziest attempt at passing a law which has now passed the House of Michigan. Michigan has has imp- has started to push the process along, which again, has passed the house. This isn't just like one person trying to act like this is normal. This has passed the house, which is a bill in Michigan is now saying that if you misgender somebody, that you're going to get a $10,000 fine and a felony. Well, what I would have to say to that, Gretchen Whitmer, sir, is that you cannot police speech. You cannot tell me who I, any sound that has to come out of my mouth. You don't get that opportunity. And if I wanna call you a man, which in certain lighting you look like, or I wanna call some random trans person knocking down all the shelves in the Blockbuster or, or the GameStop, if you remember that video, sir, because you're a sir, then I will do so. You're not going to fine anybody for speech. And if this $10,000 fine from Michigan goes to the Supreme Court, just like all of the other bullshit laws that they've tried to pass and eventually get overturned, just like Roe v. Wade, that will get overturned too. I will be the first person to step up and immediately go to a city hall meeting and call Gretchen Whitmer a man and watch the police try to arrest me for it because that is the most ridiculous bullshit law with no fundamental founding in their constitution that is completely against the first amendment that, that, you know, this is exactly what Jordan Peterson fought against was the, the implementation of laws to strong arm and bully you into utilizing speech that is not accurate for the feelings of other people. Because if we start there, where does it end? Because that's just the beginning Then where do we go, right? You get into this, this news speak era, right? You go back to the Orwellian 1984 type control of language that was involved in authoritarianism, the diminishing of words. You're not allowed to say certain things. And that's where it starts. And this is the, this is the Trojan horse, right? And all the people that are like equality and diversity. And like, I hear you, but what you don't see is where this is going, What you don't see is that you are a pawn in the game. And eventually, like I've said before, the pendulum swings back and eventually it's coming for you, right? You can only divide the masses so many times until eventually you're on the side that you don't like where your speech is being hindered by governing laws. This law is unbelievably crazy and nobody is talking about it. I posted something the other day. And, and very little traction has come of it. Now, I got a good amount of you know attention on it from, from my post, but it needs to become a common topic because this is the first law that I'm aware of that is being implemented in this way in the United States where we are founded on the freedom of speech, founded on the right to say what we want when we want, founded on the freedom of press. If I want to write an article for the Detroit Free Press and call Governor Whitmer a man... I will do it because that is my constitutional right. Just watch me if this goes into effect. Crazy. And that's the world where we've gotten to, where somebody's going to win a Miss MISS pageant with a penis between their legs. This world just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. All right, so I don't even feel like reading the article. Maybe I'll have somebody else read it for you. Here you go. Netherlands crowns its first trans. Oh, two-year-old Dutch model will be the second openly trans. Whoa, that's going fast for you guys, huh? All right, yeah, let's move on. So the next article that we're going to talk about here is that the Biden's Department of Justice indicts a whistleblower indicts a whistleblower who alleged that the Biden family was involved in bribery schemes. Could you imagine the Department of Justice being weaponized against Biden's enemies?
2: <gasps> no way. Former Israeli army officer and co-director of a Maryland think tank is under federal indictment tonight. Gal Luft is charged with acting as an unregistered foreign agent, trafficking in arms, violating U.S. sanctions against Iran.
1: No? Man, Twitter's having a hard time today, huh?
2: And making false statements to federal agents.
1: So this man came out and alleged that there was a bribery scheme conducted by the biden family now this in the middle of several several legal actions that are happening between several different entities at this point he says
2: he was arrested in cyprus to stop to stop him from speaking out him from testifying before a congressional committee
1: yep crazy all right so this man is guilty this man is guilty He's guilty of telling the truth, which is that the Biden family is corrupt. The Biden family is in the pocket of foreign entities like China, like Burisma in Ukraine, the, the Ukrainian energy companies, like all of these organizations that came out from the laptop of Hunter Biden. Absolutely. This man is guilty of telling the truth. And, and here's the thing. When these things happen, all it does is draw attention to Barting
2: it. regarding bribery allegations against but the Biden family
1: most frustrating about it is that, again, you see how powerful the entities that are in power are because of how quickly and easily they shove these things under the rug. There's never been a president ever who's had as many scandals as Joe Biden. And there's also never been such an effort from every government organization at all that's within the government to cover up so many illegal activities by a presidential family in the history of the united states name one name another president that's sitting that has had so many scandals than joe biden including the video that just came out of joe biden a, a wild video of joe biden going up to some foreign looking lady at some meeting saying don't don't t- what did he do let me let me tell you something let me tell you something and he goes <laughs> Smells her, sniffs her on camera and then goes, don't tell your mama what I told you. Like what? You are the creepiest of creepy old men. And I can't imagine just what type of things that that Joe Biden was doing, especially when his own son called him pedo Pete within his phone. See if we can get this clip to finish out.
2: Luft makes those allegations in a video obtained exclusively by the New York Post.
4: I, who volunteered to inform the U.S. government about potential security breach and about compromising information about a man vying to be the next president, am now being hunted by the very same people.
1: I think in my life I've ever had such a hard time with Twitter videos.
4: Whom I informed and may have to... He says I may have
1: to be on the run for the rest of my life for the allegations that I've made. And we see this with what happened to what happened to the we see this every single time there's a whistleblower with the Biden administration right every single time there's there's the the person in the, the who they were trying to s- like the the laptop store owner there's the you know every single time the Biden administration finds themselves in hot water they they weaponize every single piece of the justice system that they have access to including the very recent text message that we discussed a couple weeks ago which was that you know Hunter Biden literally threatening the Chinese company before there was a $5 million, $5 million put into their shell accounts from a Chinese corporation after he's, or from a Ukrainian organization after he strong-armed the head of Barisma, who then said he had 17 recordings of them. Interesting. So here's the article on that, which says that the Department of Justice has announced multiple indictments against Dr. Gal Luft the Israeli-American co-head of a Maryland think tank who gained notoriety as the missing witness in the investigation of Joe Biden's corruption. The New York Post recently shared a video of left wherein he broke down the allegations made against Biden and claimed that he had been arrested to prevent him from testifying to the House Oversight Committee with damning evidence against the first family. Now, long after coming out of a whistleblower, Luft himself has been charged by the Department of Justice for allegedly engaging in multiple serious schemes involving the Chinese and Iranians alongside a former high-ranking U.S. government official. The charges including numerous offenses, including failing to register under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, arms trafficking, Iranian sanctions violations, and making false statements to federal agents. Wow, what a reach. The agency explained that Luft had allegedly conspired with others to advance the interests of the People's Republic of China, oh, who would have done that, as agents of Chinese-based principles, without registering as foreign agents as required under U.S. law. He supposedly used his position as co-director of the think tank to recruit and pay the aforementioned government official at the behest of Chinese bosses to publicly support certain policies with respect to China. Hmm. Very interesting. Let's see if we can get the New York Post video if it's not gonna be so shaky for the full thing there. Here's the video.
4: Good day. My name is Dr. Gal Luft. For the past 20 years, I've been the co-director of the Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, a Washington-based think tank focused on energy security. For the past 15 years, I've been a resident of Israel And for four years, I was senior advisor to the China energy company, CFC, at the same time of its dealings with the Biden family. Under normal circumstances, I would be testifying before Congress about my experience with CFC. Sadly, due to circumstances I shall describe here in this video, I am forced to tell you this story via video. My ordeal goes back to a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the U.S. government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. As I said, it was in March of 2019 in a two-day session at the U.S. Embassy in Brussels. I insisted that the meeting take place in March because at the time there were rumors that Joe Biden was planning to run for president. I saw it as my civic duty to alert the government beforehand and give it enough time to probe the issue. I want to be clear. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the DOJ's cover-up, this is exactly what happened. The DOJ sent to Brussels a delegation of six people, two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York, by the names of Daniel Reichenthal and Catherine Ghosh and four FBI agents. One of them was Special Agent Joshua Wilson from the Baltimore field office, which also happens to cover the state of Delaware.
1: My man's dropping names.
4: Why did the government dispatch to Europe so many people? Why six? Why not two? The answer is that they knew very well that I'm a credible witness and that I have insider knowledge about the group and the individuals Let's that have the Biden family. Over an intensive two-day two meeting, uh, I shared my information about the Biden family's financial transactions with CFC, including specific dollar figures.
1: This is a 13-minute video that you can go see the they New know, York as Post's Biden's YouTube channel,
4: Yet, as we now and it's
1: titled is from Missing from Biden C- Corruption Case uh, Witness. Dr. Gal Luft DOJ,
4: the whole details
1: allegations the against president's family.
4: But perhaps the most alarming information I revealed was of a mole within the DOJ who shared classified information with Hunter Biden and his Chinese partners. I told the DOJ that Hunter was closely associated with a very senior retire, retired FBI official who had distinct physical characteristic. He had one eye. One of the FBI agents at the time even told me, you know, that would be very easy for us to find. There aren't that many one-eyed people in the Bureau. The information I provided the FBI in March of 2019 was fully corroborated nine months later when the famous laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, which contained all the emails and receipts, was handed to the FBI. And guess who seized the laptop from the computer repair shop? It was Special Agent Joshua Wilson, who was with me in Brussels earlier. In other words, the FBI knew about, from me, about the Biden CFC deals before they got hold of the laptop, way before. They had enough time to investigate the issue, but they didn't. After Brussels, I never heard back from the DOJ, but instead of showing appreciation for my whistleblowing, I became public enemy number one. Over the past four years that followed, me, my family, my friends, my associates, we were all harassed, intimidated, and finally, I was prosecuted. Despite all that, on the eve of the 2020 elections, I sent my lawyer to Washington to meet with then Acting Deputy Attorney General, Mr. Richard Donahue, to ensure he was informed about the information I had given his department in Brussels 19 months earlier, and also to warn him that there may still be a mole within the DOJ. Mr. Donahue confirmed to my lawyer that he was aware of my claims, but now we learn from the IRS whistleblower that it was Rich Donahue himself who suspended the investigation a few weeks earlier on September 4th, 2020, on the ground that it was, quote, too close to the elections. Finally, in February this year, I was arrested in Cyprus on an expedition request from the Southern District of New York. All right, I'll let
1: you watch that video yourself. If you want to go find it, I'll put it in the substack, .substack austinadams.substack.com, which will come out late tomorrow after the podcast comes out. But here's an article that kind of outlines what he's talking about with that. I was looking up while you were listening to that. The one-eyed FBI agent. And this comes from the New York Post, where it says Hunter Biden used an FBI mole named One-Eye to tip him off to China probes. It says Hunter Biden has an FBI mole named One-Eye who tipped off his Chinese business partners that they were under investigation. According to the Israeli energy expert arrested in Cyprus last month on gun running charges, the House Oversight Committee is investigating the explosive claims that Dr. Galga left the guy we were just listening to, a former Israeli Defense Force's lieutenant colonel with deep intelligence ties in Washington and Beijing, who says that he was arrested to stop him from revealing what he knows about the Biden family and FBI corruption. Details he told the Department of Justice in 2019, which he said was ignored. He first made the claims on February 18th on Twitter after being detained at a Cyprus airport as he prepared to board the plane to Israel. I've been arrested in Cyprus and politically motivated extradition requests by the US, the US claiming that I'm an arms dealer. It would be funny if it weren't tragic. I've never been an arms dealer. Department of Justice trying to bury me to protect Joe, Jim, and Hunter Biden. Goes on to say that left remains in jail awaiting extradition, which has now just surfaced surfaced with this video. After all this, this article was in March. Through his American lawyer, Robert Hanok, Luff said that he tried four years ago to inform, the Dep- or to inform the Department of Justice of Chinese state-controlled energy company CE- or CEFc that had paid $100,000 a month to President Biden's son Hunter and $65,000 to Joe's brother Jim in exchange for their FBI connections and use of the Biden name to promote China's Belt or yeah. Belt and Road Initiative around the world. Luff learned of the scheme through his own relationship with Hunter's Chinese business partners Patrick Ho and Ye Ming chairman of CEFC. From 2015 to 2018, Luft organized international energy conferences in partnership with Ho's Think Tank, the non-profit Chinese energy fund committee, CEFC, a front organization for Ye's CEFC. Ye confided to Luft that Hunter had an informant in the FBI, or formerly of the Bureau, extremely well-placed, who had paid lots of money to provide sealed law enforcement information. The FBI mole was called One-Eye. When I told Ye that the Southern District of New York has, was investigating him, or Ho in late 2017, that an Asian, an African, and a Jewish guy were named on a sealed indictment, said Hinook. Soon after the tip-off, Ye offered Hunter one million dollars to be his private counsel, and flew to China, leaving his wife, daughter, son, mother, and nanny in his fifty million-dollar penthouse in fifteen Central, 15 Central Park West. He was detained in Shanghai three months later and disappeared. And that's where this all started. All right. So that article that I was just reading, again, came from the New York Post and was titled Hunter Biden used FBI Mole named one eye to tip him off to Chinese probes, which was March 22nd of 2023. And now this guy is just resurfacing. And this just broke today. This is breaking news. There's really not a ton of information that came out from this interview. Go listen to it. Go check it out. And just again, like I said, Joe Biden and the, the Biden family are the single largest crime organization to ever hold the White House, bar none. And we're seeing that with back to back to back to back things that are coming out from the text message of, of Hunter Biden strong arming people to the laptop with legitimate claims of him being a pedophile with his own niece. All of the things that have come out with Joe Biden being called pedo Pete by his son. Could you imagine the field day that people would have had if that was Don Jr. saying that about Donald Trump? Like in, in all of it's covered up by every news media corporation, every one of the the organizations within the government, including the FBI. It's disgusting. All right. Now, last but not least... Last but not least, second to last but not least, <laughs> let's go with last but not least. Let's get into the deep, dark side of aliens. It says, from, from the late 2000s to the mid-2010s, I worked as a molecular biologist for a national security contractor in a program to study exobiospheric organisms. I will share with you a lot of information on the subject. Feel free to ask questions or ask for clarification. This was posted on Reddit five days ago, reposted by Joe Rogan, and then this guy deleted his account. Now, it says that it seems like all of my comments are being deleted. I will post answers at the end of the message. I'm going to move my computer closer to me here so I can actually read it for you guys without stuttering like, you know, Joe Biden or Fetterman. From the late 2000s to the mid-2010s, I worked as a molecular biologist for the National Security Council contractor in program to study exobiospheric organisms, or EBOs. The aim of the program was to elucidate the genome and proteome basis for these organisms. Although the study of OBCs has been going on for decades in other programs, the new high-throughput DNA sequencing technologies of the late 90s unblock stagnant research in this area. Since then, several breakthroughs have led to significant advances in our understanding of the genome and proteome of these beings. What we've learned so far has enabled us to outline some dis- disconcerting perspectives about the place of our place in the universe. Briefly, we've discovered that the EBO genome is a chimera of genomes from our biosphere and from an unknown one. They are artificial, ephemeral, and disposable organisms created for a purpose that still particularly eludes us. I'll be substantiating my statements after a brief introduction. The reason for disclosing these secrets is quite simple. I believe that every human being has the right to know the truth and that to progress, humanity needs to divest itself to a certain or divest itself of certain institutions and organizations that will probably not survive these revelations in the long term. I'm aware that I've had very little impact in this regard, but I still believe the small leaks are necessary to break the dam of misinformation on the subject. When the governments will eventually reveal these secrets, there will be undoubtedly be a societal upheaval, but in my opinion, the longer we wait, the worse it will be. I choose to divulge what I know anonymously out of selfishness for the well-being of myself and my family. I'm aware that this diminishes the reach and credibility of my message, but it's the furthest I am willing to go. I chose this forum because it offers a good compromise between anonymity, like, what is it? Defining Nemo, anonymity, and popularity. In order to protect my anonymity, I will be purposefully vague or even contradictory about the information that could identify me date, education, role, etc. I'll even introduce red herrings in this respect. I want to make it clear that any information related to the subject of the research will not be treated in this way. Before going any further, please excuse me if you find it difficult to understand what I am explaining. Some parts of my text are very technical. It's difficult to understand the right balance between vulgarization and scientific explanation. I continue by talking about myself. What's the point of talking about me, knowing that the information will necessarily be misleading? I simply want to introduce a perspective of the type of people who work there, normal scientists. I have a PhD in molecular biology. I didn't actively seek to become a part of the program. Rather, there was a stroke of luck that introduced me to one of the senior scientists. I met this person at a conference where I was presenting a poster on my PhD research. When I think back, I don't believe he was impressed by what I was presenting because it was quite frankly a project that wasn't going anywhere. I think it was rather the most important aspect of a professional life, the attitude and the ease in which you make connections. Shortly afterwards, I graduated and received a call from the person offering me a position. At the time, everything pointed to me working in a regular laboratory. I did a series of three increasingly suspicious interviews and in a different location where my scientific background and knowledge became less and less relevant. The first was was with two of the senior scientists, the second and third, with people who I've never seen again and who obviously not interested in science. Sometime after the interview, I was asked to go to a fourth location where that where what seemed like a corporate lawyer presented me with an NDA. He made sure not only to explain every detail, but also that I understood the consequences of not respecting it. The first employment weeks were by far the most memorable. Although I spent most of the time in a depressing archive room, it consists almost exclusively of reading about the subject of study and to get us up to speed. There's no secret Wikipedia or even a reference guide. There are only dry reports, memos, presentations, procedures, and standard operating procedures, SOPs. These documents are almost exclusively about the biology of EBOs, and there are also a few that deal with other subjects, such as their food, religion, or culture. There were no documents on their technology. As mentioned above, the aim of the project is to gain a better understanding of the EBO genome and proteome. To achieve this, a team of around 20 scientists, four senior scientists, and a director was involved. The scientists, like myself, had their main responsibility to carry out the technical work. As each scientist had their knowledge, and had, to my knowledge, a PhD, were all somewhat overqualified for what they ultimately were the technicians' jobs. The senior scientist who made full use of their diplomas had the task of des- designing the essays, designing the a- ASSAYS assays and had a supervisory responsibility. They are also in charge of training new employees and sometimes even came in to do technical work. The director, of course, was the person in charge who dictated priorities to the senior scientists. He was rarely on site and the few times he was, I was already to, or the few times he was, he was to attend meetings. Other than the scientific stuff, there were security guards working on one subcontractor or another. There were no support staff such as janitors or maintenance workers. Scientists were responsible for the kind of work. In addition, logistical constraints ensure that every scientist is capable of carrying out any technical activity. We're getting right close to the genetics part, all right? But I do want to just read this for you guys because it's pretty wild. The laboratory itself is located in Fort Derrick, Maryland, in a building used for legitimate biometric and biomedical research. The clandestine operations are carried out in a restricted part of the basement, out of sight from regular workers. Contrary to what one might imagine, the biosafety level is not maximal for this type of research. Indeed, the lab containing EBO samples or derived cell structures from BSL-3, while the lab where assays are conducted are only BSL-2. The BSL-3 area of the facility includes a freezer room and a cell culture lab and is only accessible through the archa chamber for the BSL-2 section. EBO carcasses are preserved in horizontal freezers at a temperature of negative 80 Celsius. The maximum the preservation of these carcasses, or to maximize the preservation of these carcasses, they are preserved in vacuum bags, and the area in the air in the room is controlled to minimize humidity. There are only four bodies, and none of them are complete. It's obvious that these creatures have died as a result of major trauma. I've never witnessed a motorcycle accident fatality, but it probably looks similar to this. It's acknowledged that there are more EBOs carcasses at other locations. The cell culture laboratory, as its name suggests, is where the cell line derives from EBOs, are grown, and related activities are performed. I'll talk in more detail about the specific cell structures later. The BSL-2 part is mainly used for assays, immunophistochemistry, genetic engineering, immunocytochemistry, storage, etc. There's a lot of cell culture labs, but it is used more for traditional cell lines. Other than the labs, there are all the amenities you could find in an office. Note that the internet access is limited to senior staff and up. There is, however, an intranet for bioinformatics and needs. On the subject of biology on these beings, I'll start to discuss their genetics, then their gross anatomy, and finally their biological systems. For the sake of clarity, the information that I provide is an aggregation of what I have observed and what I have read. I will make many comparisons to human anatomy because of the most logical reference. Whoo! All right, there's your intro. So this guy claims he went to Maryland. He's a, you know, he's a, a PhD in what do he say, bioengineering. And so they brought him in there. No specific reason that they hired him other than being at a conference. And now all of a sudden he finds himself with a bunch of aliens in the room, vacuum sealed in bags at negative eighty degrees Celsius if you tried to follow that. That's what happened. All right. Now it says genetics. Now stay stay with me here. This is a quite a long post, but again, you can always look it up on Reddit and get some of the responses. I'll kind of cliff notes some of this because it's very technical, but here we go. This is about the genetics. First, I'd like to discuss their genetics. The genetics are like ours, based on DNA. The fact is, ver- This fact was very puzzling for the, when I first learned about it. We imagined that beings from an alternate biosphere would have genetics based on a completely foreign biochemical system, and surprisingly, this is not the case. Several concu- conclusions can be drawn from this surprising revelation. The one that immediately comes to mind is that the biosphere and, and theirs share a common ancestry. There is eukaryotes, which means that their cells have a nuclei containing genetic material, which suggests that their biosphere would have been separated from ours sometime after the appearance of this type of organism. The term exobiospheric organism is actually a misnomer, but as it's, but as it's a historical term, it's still used. Their genetics are not only based on the same genetic system, but they're, they're also even comparable and compatible to our own cellular machinery. This means that you can take a human gene and insert it into an EBO cell and that the gene will be translated into protein. And this is, of course, works in reverse with a human genome inserted into an EBO cell. There are important differences in post-transitional modifications that will be made to the final protein, non-functional, but I'll discuss that later. The genome consists of 16 circular chromosomes. Let's look at some of the comments and then we'll go back up. I remember there was one comment here that was like pretty much legitimizing this. But it says, um, some technical questions that they ask, um, genetic scarring, what about, yeah. Another person says, so there are worker bees, no sex organs means you have, you can have babies, you can't have babies that revolt, they must be created in a secure sterile environment like a space station or maybe a deep ocean lab. Mm, Deep ocean lab, you say? All right, so here's what I was looking for. It says, I'm an entomologist. I understood the text, and I'm utterly fascinated by the implications here, and also slightly disturbed. So basically, if they could run, the sweat is essentially urine excrement as well, and the evaporation cools the body. Ammonia evaporates at a much lower temperature than water, so I'm assuming the method would be more effective. What of bacteria? With that excrement system, I'm assuming the buildup of waste under the biofilm. When exposed to the environment, how could they survive? without some opportunistic bacterial infections. I see the immune system hasn't been deeply studied yet, but has there been any signs of infections and susceptibility to our native microbiome? Interesting, so I've seen like a fair amount of people being like, you know, I'm a this type of major scientist and also I believe you, which is pretty crazy, right? And then again, it's Reddit, go find out who those people are and why they're asking these questions and what they're legitimizing. But somebody else says, awesome read. I've worked in a BSL-3 lab. I can attest that this person, at the very least, has actual hardcore lab experience. I found nothing questionable, questionable in the semantics. When I saw your heading on autoimmunity, I was about to be skeptical about how you could gather very much info from the carcass. And then your response was basically unknown aside from organs, which makes a lot of sense. If you are sincere, I hope you stay safe, my friend. Pretty wild. And then another person said, so it's like it's just all people legitimizing this guy's science. But, you know, you see, you hear him speaking. It's pretty technical. It says, for those who are not aware, this guy is definitely trained in biology. If this is a LARP, he definitely has a biochemical background and is very creative. This is leagues above any other LARP that I've seen. The part that really sticks out is, to me, is the TRP with the 4BP segment to identify the chromosome as well as the 64BP segment that is unique to each gene. This is very creative if he made it up. Has anyone with a bio or sci-fi background seen that idea expressed before? I could see anatomy stuff just being made up, but his reasoning for why the genome of the EBO is artificial is so creative that it rings true. The post is wild. If you're LARPing OP hats off to you, I would read your book. Somebody else underneath that said that 100% I'm a healthy skeptic, but I'm inclined to believe this like a lot. If it's a LARP, he's the goat of LARPers. (laughs) Somebody else said archive this before the government deletes it. Yes. Interesting. Somebody else said, I have a biology background and work in the lab. Not going to say more. I also have an avid interest in genetics and have read countless works on evolutionary biology from Dawkins, Darwin to gold. I've also worked on expression and extraction of proteins of interest from microorganisms like E. coli, the whole upstream downstream process microbiologists would understand. Anyways, the terminology and precision of the post not only indicate the expertise of the offer, but also lend authenticity. Copy and save the text of this post. I bet this will be taken down. Wow. So, so many people lending to the credibility of this person. So on that note, let's go on just a little bit further. All right. And it's very technical, right? Again, this will be over my head, might be over your head. Maybe you're a lot smarter than me, but you know, I hope so. If you're trying to comprehend all of this. Genetics. So we read that first portion. You're probably familiar with the concept of intergenetic region or junk DNA. These are basically DNA sequences that don't code for proteins. They are evolutionary residues, transposomes, inactive genes, and so on. To give you an idea, in humans, intergenetic regions represent approximately 99% of our genome. I'm aware that these sequences aren't, comp- aren't completely useless. They, can't, they can be used as a histone anchors. As buffers to protect coding DNA from the radiation or even in alternative open reading frames, but that's rather peripheral. What's particularly striking about the EBO genome is the uniformity of these inner genetic regions. We see the same sequences repeated everywhere, and the distance in BP between the genes is virtually the same throughout their genome. The result is a minimalist, highly condensed genome. In fact, it is much smaller than ours. Moreover, the quantity of protein-coding genes is even significantly lower than ours, probably due to the genetic refinement, but also due to the biological processes that are absent in EBO. The uniformity of these sequences is a major indication that the artificial, indication of the artificiality of these beings. There is no complex organism on Earth that has such elegance in its sequence. There is no evolutionary pressure that can lead to this kind of characteristic other than genetic engineering interesting he goes on that the next paragraph is pretty technical so we'll skim that skim this the probable absence of these proteins for the genome is further indication of their artificiality I've talked a lot about inter- inter- intergenic regions now I briefly discuss intergenetic sequences briefly because there's not a lot to say unless despite the obvious importance hmm again over my head Moving on, it's safe to say that I assume that this genome would also be streamlined and possibly have some version of TPR. Not sure what that means. All right. So you could probably take this and like fact check it against everything that he's even talking about and learn more about, you know, just biochemistry and biology in general. But it says that gross anatomy, they are metaph- or morph- morphologically very similar to the gray aliens that are part of modern folklore. Their height is about 150 centimeters. They have two arms, two legs, and a head. Still, there are some notable differences. Skin. The gray skin from the often described in folklore is in fact a biosynthetic film, which likely serves to protect the EBO from a hostile environment. It doesn't provide effective protection against temperature changes, but it does offer adequate protection against the passage of liquids. It's possible that this film confers other advantages, but my knowledge of the subject is limited. Under the gray film, the epidermis is rather white, and the texture is very regular and without any hair. We do not see any defect other than the folds near the joints. It's described as greasy in one report, but that's not something I've observed. The same report states that a strong lingering smell of burnt hair and ammonia is present when the film is removed. There are a lot of pores on the skin crossing from the epidermis to a gland in the hypodermis. These glands and pores are the terminal part of the excreti- pseudo, supidora- <laughs> pseudoriferous system which could explain the previous mentioned smell i'm dumb it says the hair the head contains two large oversized eyes two nostrils with protuberance a narrow mouth without lips and two ear canals without auricles auricles (laughs) there is a mandible and the muscles musculature is vestigial there are no teeth or tongue in the oral cavity The nasal cavity where the nostrils meet is compact and does not rise cranially, but extends axially. There appears to be no equivalent to the effectory bulb in the nasal cavity. The mouth leads directly to the esophagus and the nasal cavity to the trachea. The trachea and esophagus do not communicate. Eyes. Like the skin, the eyes are covered with semi-transparent biosynthetic film that offers the same environmental protection while providing protection against certain wavelengths and light intensity. When the film is removed, a more traditional eye is revealed. It's about three times larger than the human eye and there are no eyelids. The size of the eyes suggest that there's, they have excellent night vision. It appears paradoxically to cover them with a semi-opaque film. Perhaps they only need to wear it in bright environments. Their sclera is the same color as their skin. The iris is pale gray, and the pupil is black and oversized. The lens is rounder than a human, and the muscle skeleture s- used to adjust focus is more developed. On the retina, there are at least six types of cone cells. Interesting. The ears, brain, the brain is tetraspheric, composed of four major sections. The sections are separated by transverse and longitudinal fissures and are connected at the central lobe, which acts as brainstem and cerebellum. The volume of the brain is around 20% superior to that of the man of the same height, it has a much more pronounced level of gyrication than an average human. Moreover, the ratio of. Gl- oh my God. Ah, this is technical. All right. The neck is proportionally longer than that of a human and at the same time relatively thin. Interesting. The thorax is underdeveloped. The abdomen is wider than the thorax and bulges out slightly forward. There is no navel. The pelvis bones are apparent. There is no genitals or anus, it says. Wow. Their hands have four digits, including an opposable thumb and the medial side. They have no nails, and the texture of their fingerprints is composed of concentric circles. Fingers are proportionally much larger in humans than in humans. Unlike humans, finger musculature is entirely intrinsic to the head. In other words, the muscles used to move the fingers are not in the forearms, but rather located in the hands. At first glance, the feet consist of just two digits, but a necropsy soon determined that each toe was made of two fused digits. Wow. How bizarre. Hmm biological system. It talks about the respiratory system. I'll just read the first line because it seems to give you the most information. Their cellular respiration is equivalent to ours. They need to oxidize organic components to produce energy. Interesting. Interesting. The circulatory system is rather analogous to ours. The heart is located in the media and but it is more medial position, directly beneath the sternum. The blood vessels is also analogous to that of a human. However, the proportion of plasma is much higher. Digestive system is extremely underdeveloped. There's no, there's no there. So smart people make typos. There's no there is no stomach in the future sense, familiar sense. However, there is a pseudo stomach located at the transition between the thorac, thoracic and abdominal cavities. That this is not involved in digestion, but only serves as a reservoir. Given the absence of teeth, the narrowness and rigidity of the esophagus, the absence of a true stomach, and the absence of defecation, it is strongly believed that the EBOs can only consume food in liquid form. It is assumed that given the high metabolic needs of their brains, this food would have had a high carbohydrate concentration in order to meet other metabolic needs. There must also be a high protein content in the food. These two statements are supported by the type of enzymes secreted by the digestive organ. It is therefore speculated that the food consumed is a sort of broth rich in sugar and protein, which probably also has a high copper content. Hmm. Endocrine system, knowledge is minimal. Immune system, another unknown. Nervous system, relatively similar. Muscular skeletal system, very ordinary, underdeveloped. Artificial system, We speculate that artificial molecular machines may be present in the body and that copper, if present, would be essential to the function or assembly. Importantly, no AMMs have been observed. Question one. Amazing story. Have you shared this with the Senate Select Commission or Intelligence or AARO? And do you have evidence to back this up? Thank you. No, I haven't. And no, I won't. It sounds like a honey trap to me. I will not place my life in the hands of politicians. I have no proof other than this message. I know it's not much, but it's what I'm prepared to offer. Question two. Well, that was a read. So they are bioengineered worker bees, any elemental components that are unattrubial to our biome. Yes, knowing that they are that they're disposable, unable to live independently without technological support, and that they're ephemeral, the only suitable hypothesis is that they are alive only to accomplish their task. Can you clarify your question about the elemental components? Question three, I haven't read everything in detail, but can you expand on the document on their religion? It says that EBOs believe that their soul is not an extension of the individual, but rather a fundamental characteristic of nature that expresses itself as a field, not unlike gravity. In the presence of life, this field acquires complexity, resulting in negative entropy. And that makes if that makes sense. This gain is com this gain in complexity is directly correlated with the con- concentration of living organisms in a given location. With time and the right conditions, life is in turn becomes more complex until the appearance of sentient life. After reaching this threshold, the field begins to express itself through those sentient beings, forming what we call the soul. Through their life experience, sentient beings will turn will in turn influence the field in a sort of positive feedback loop. This in turn further accelerates the complexity of the field. Eventually, when the field reaches a critical mass, there will be a sort of hypothesis. It's not clear what this means in practical terms, but the quest for hypothesis seems to be the EBO's main motivation. The author of the document added his reflections and interpretations as an appendix. He specified that, for them, the soul field is not a belief, but an obvious truth. He also argues that the soul loses its individuality after death, but that memory and experience persist as a part of the field. This fact would influence the philosophical and culture of EBOs, resulting in a society that doesn't fear death, but which places no importance or reverence on individuality. This belief compels them to seed life, shape it, nurture it, monitor it, and influence it for the ultimate purpose of creating the hypothesis paradoxically, they have little or no respect for an individual's well-being. Please be advised that I am speaking from memory of something that I read more than 10 years ago. So take the following with a grain of salt. Also, I am not a philosopher or an artist, so please excuse my struggle to properly formulate the concepts in my dry terminology. Finally, note that this information comes from a document whose author was directly interacting with an EBO. It does not specified whether it is an ambassador, a crash survivor, a prisoner. This means the communication was not specified either. The question four was, what the fuck? He dropped the location of the lab. (laughs) The response was Battelle National Biodefense Institute. It's on Google Maps. (laughs) So as of our last few episodes, we now know that there are deep underground cities that are formulated by the government, which house aliens, which are also housed underneath the water, deep, deep in the ocean in the Bermuda Triangle, which send out these sentries that protect us from the outer world while also at the same time we're studying real aliens, which look a lot like E.T. And there you have it, folks. I hope you stayed with me through that whole alien thing. That was pretty wild and very technical, but There was some really interesting nuggets of information there. So um, go check it out. Go read the whole thing. I skipped some of it, not all of it, but definitely some of it to try to make it listenable. But pretty, pretty damn wild stuff. All right. On that note, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it from the bottom of my
2: heart. See you next time.